when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Sari Delamont here with you, the attorney whisperer. And today we have a special guest. We have Coach Junho Hong. And uh, the reason he's called Coach June, uh, well, Coach June is what he's called actually in the H2H crew, is because he is now working for me um, part-time. Of course, he's still being a lawyer in his other, in his other life. This is his true life. Um, but welcome, June, to the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be here. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. This is going to be fun is a little bit introducing you to the group because they'll be seeing more of you, especially if they join the H2H crew. And it's also, uh, we're going to be talking about habits and their importance when it comes to trial technique for trial lawyers. So I want to start first with learning a little bit more about you, and then we're going to get into the habit piece of this. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you came into the Sari DLM world. Sure. So... Let's see, I've been a plaintiff's lawyer for my entire legal career. And, but before that, uh, I was doing, I had different careers before I became a lawyer. So uh, I started out as wanting to be and on the journey to be a uh, pop R&B singer. So I was- (laughs) You're quite good, I've heard you sing. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Yes, so those were, uh, those are some fun times and fun days. And then that led to me actually producing a couple of uh, plays. Uh, One of the last plays that I did was at the Lincoln Center over here in Manhattan. So that was pretty cool where I got to act, sing and produce. Wow. And um, yeah, so that was my first life, I guess, if you will. And I just kind of got um, a little- I guess I wasn't happy with what the music business was. So I decided to do something else. I met my now wife and um, I thought, what can I do to do something to be a little more practical? And that's when I decided to go to law school. It was almost on a whim. And I, throughout my law school journey, I fell into plaintiff's personal injury work. And I tried a whole bunch of other stuff, but this is the work that really resonated with me. Um, I thought when I was in law school, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to do personal injury. That's tough, right? I thought I was going to go to like a big white shoe law firm. But then I had opportunities to do that kind of work. And I hated it. I really hated it. But the only thing that I really enjoyed was doing plaintiff PI work. And um, so I've been doing that ever since. And then um, I think I was trying, I was second chairing on a, on a case where with my um, old boss and the defense attorney. Uh, on that case, he's a real plaintiff's guy, and you know him. He's also an H two H crew now. Or <laughs> he's now a plaintiff's buddy. guy. He wasn't yes. always a plaintiff's guy. Yeah. Yes, and uh, he put me on to trial guides. He's like, "Hey, man, go check out trial guides." So I started uh, my trial wait, wait, guides. Wait, wait, wait. We have there. a defense attorney that was helpful. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know what it was is because I think honest to God, in his heart, he's a, he's a true, he's always been a true plaintiff's guy. He was just, I think, 
taking like a career decision to do the defense side just to get in the courtroom more often and things of that nature. And um, when I got into trial guides, uh, I started hearing, sorry, Delamont. And I was like, what's this? And I'm hearing your name here, then I'm searching on, on the web and then I see some of your content out there and I'm watching everything. And I'm going to your website and I'm just taking everything in because your message just really resonated with me. And uh, then you came out with a podcast and I just fell in love with that. And then, um, yeah, you didn't know it, but I was secretly stalking you. And uh, <laughs> then I just said, you know, it was your podcast where you said you're going all in. When you said you're going all in, that really just struck a chord with me. And I said, screw it, I'm going all in. And, and I reached out to you and uh, that was the beginning of this journey. And here, here I am now. Well, you know, it's funny because speaking of that defense attorney, now turned plaintiff attorney, you know, he was talking to me. He's now one part of our crew as well. And he was saying, what did you do with June? He is absolutely a totally and completely different person after working with you for a year, because after you did stalk me, I ended up um, training you to, to become coach June, which happened this last February. So how would you describe that metamorphosis and, and, and what does he mean by you're a completely different person? Yeah, I, I think what he means in terms of me being a completely different person was I'm now doing my work without being shackled by this fear, mm. by these, these, this self-doubt and the limiting beliefs. Um, now it's just like, I just go all out and say, I want to try that without regard of whether, oh, can it be done? Well, defense, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna do something that would get a mistrial, but you know, within I, the, the realm of uh, the frame of what I'm allowed to do, I go as far as I can without regard of, oh, what, but what if the defense attorney objects? I'm like, great, that means I'm doing a great job, you know? <laughs> and so I think that's what he meant. And, um, just, and how are you able to do that? What, how are you able to get rid of or at least manage that fear? Because I think that's it, something that our, our listeners absolutely deal with. You did before, yeah. before kind of coming into this world. Fear is a big part of this world. Yeah. I think it really uh, started with the, the, the mindset training and the coach uh, in my work with uh, coach, Ke coach Kevin, coach K. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, when coach I started K, for with, those of you who don't know, is my husband and also a coach in the crew. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so he really helped me just see that this fear, and I'm using air quotes, is just my limiting beliefs. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I still get what you will, you know, what people consider fear. It's not that I'm just like, hey, I'm fearless. And no, it's I can manage it. And so mm. I choose. I choose how I want to be or how I want to think about whatever circumstance I'm in. So if I'm in a certain circumstance, like trial, I, I can be like, oh, God, uh, the defense attorney said that I have no case and whatever, whatever. And I could think, oh, shoot, what am I going to do? I'm so scared. Uh, what am I? Uh, or Maybe he's I right. Just, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Or through after doing this work with Coach K and still doing this every day, you know, um, now I choose to think, I'm like, oh, he's scared. He's posturing. I'm like, oh man, I got a kick-ass case. Yep. That's his stuff. Not, not my stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. And, and, you know, so often people, I just got another review on the podcast and somebody said, you know, I came here for the trial skills. I stayed for the personal growth. 
And so, you know, years and years ago, when I decided to bring in the mindset piece to this work, because I started out, you know, as a nonverbal expert and teaching people the nonverbal part, but it was limiting. Um, a lot of people said, you know, marketing people said lawyers aren't going to buy mindset work. They're not going to buy personal transformation. And I I'm so thrilled to find that that's not true. As we know, in the H2H crew, um, so much of what we're doing is, yes, trial skills. But a huge piece of that is working on the mindset because you can't use the trial skills unless you've got the right mindset. Wouldn't you agree? Totally. hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. So. One of my favorite things about you is that you are now a mindset master. I really believe this to be true. I mean, you just, you were able to manifest working with me one day when work was sorry, and here you are. And, uh, which I love that story. Um, but you know, the other day you were sharing a story with me about how you were sharing with someone else, um, that you were working with me and would you share their response and your response to their response? Because I think this is a fear whether you work with me or not, of a lot of attorneys of not having the verdicts or the verdict. So share that story with us because I think it's just so amazing. And then we're going to get into talking about habits. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of my uh, fellow attorneys, when I was sharing with him, you know, because I was really excited. I'm like, hey, it's official now. And, you know, I'm working with Sari Delamont and all that stuff. And, you know, he was happy for me. And, uh, but then he asked me, hey, quick question though why would anybody want to come to you for trial skills or, or trial consulting when you don't have the, 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 um, the record or the string of these huge verdicts? And the old me, without the mindset training, would have been like, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know? He's it's like, right. yeah, you're right, yeah. But the new me or the new way, I think, I was just like, my automatic response to him was like, that's a good question. In fact, I used to ask myself the same thing. But here's the thing. I actually asked that question to Sari way back when. I said, why would you want to work with me? I don't have these records. You could work with any amazing trial lawyer you want. Why me? I don't have, I don't have the record. And this is one of the favorite things, one of the favorite conversations I've ever had with you. And you said to me, well, that's a good question, June, but let me ask you, how many verdicts do I have? And I'm like, what do you mean? And you're <laughs> like, how many verdicts do I have? I'm like, well, none, you're, you're not an attorney. She goes, uh-huh. And has that stopped me from getting, I was like, ah, I see your point. And so I threw that just like that. I threw it back onto that lawyer in my office and he just kind of sat back in his chair and was like, huh. Cool, man. Congratulations. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Love it. Because it could have easily taken you off of your game. And, and, and for me, I want to answer this publicly. Why you? I have never in my entire career found someone who is such an amazing learner, someone who embraces this information and not only embraces it and has, has taken it into your own life, but is so willing to share what you've learned with other people. I mean, I would be I would be concerned hiring, hiring someone with a huge, you know, win record, because when you have that, you think, you know, everything. 
And what's great about the work that, that you and I are doing is we're curious and we're exploring. And I think that's what makes this work. And so I'm just thrilled and honored that you would come on board as Coach June. And so it's been wonderful working with you and, and continuing the work that we're gonna do together. Um, so let's talk about habits because this has kind of become your thing now that you've kind of restarted <laughs> your life and sharing all that you're learning. Tell us a little bit about why creating habits when it comes down, especially to trial skills, but really anything in your life, whether that's getting in shape or becoming a better listener, which is, you know, both things that will help with trial. Um, why are habits important for trial lawyers? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I think habits are important for trial lawyers and everybody, like you're saying, is because without the habits, the action steps, then whatever our goals are, our aspirations, our dreams are just lofty dreams and we're never going to reach them because you're not taking the action steps. Yeah. So you have three things that you want our trial attorneys to focus on in today's episode. And the first one you shared with me, which I think is so huge. We don't tend to think of this when we think of how to create habits, but is to get clear on what your goals are. Talk to me about why that's mm -hmm. so important. Yeah. So if you're not clear on ultimately what you want to achieve, then you're not gonna be able to figure out how to achieve it. You're not gonna be able to figure out what um, habits you need to develop to achieve it. So, I mean, think about like um, when you're taking a road trip and you pump, punch in the destination, right? It's in your GPS. It tells you, okay, here's a route. And it sometimes it gives you three different routes you can take and you can review it and say, well, I don't wanna take that route because yada, 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 let me, so you can figure things out. So I look at habits and getting clear on what your goal is in a similar way in terms of, I, got, I see my destination, now let me figure out the best path to get there. And in order to determine the best path, you can then kind of reverse engineer. Okay, mm. these are the habits that I need to develop in order to reach that goal. And I think what most people get wrong about habits too, is that they think I need to develop some. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is we all have habits right now that we, mm -hmm. are, that we are following sometimes unconsciously. And I think that's why your first step here is so important is that get clear on what you want so that you can create habits around that versus these unconscious habits that we have because the brain loves efficiency as our listeners have always heard me say. And so it will do the same thing over and over again if it gets a particular result. And so looking at the result that we want is huge, I believe. But so many people have trouble getting clear on what it is that they want. Why do you think that is? I, you know, I think it's because there's, there's so many different voices, external and internal. And, you know, it takes some time to just quiet your mind mm. to really get clear on what you want, because it's like when I, as I've been doing this work with you and I've been evolving and it, things just strip away a little more and more. And I'm like, wait, what I used to think was my goal or aspiration, I realized that was somebody else's goal mm. that I kind of took upon myself Huge. So the whole, like, for example, like getting the huge win law, uh, the, the huge win record, I used to be like, well, that's, that's what I got to do. And, you know, if I don't get that, then I'm not a good trial lawyer or whatever. I'm at the point now I'm like, well, that, that is not my goal. My goal is to just be able to go out there and have fun 
and enjoy the entire process, you know, regardless of what the result is, because I realized that that win record is really everybody else's expectations or what I think everybody else's expectations are of me. And I'm like, that's not my goal. I think a lot of trial attorneys that they feel that outside pressure, right? I'm not a great trial attorney unless I have those things. I think the other, so I think that's a really huge piece of this, why we aren't clear is because there's these outside pressures that we need to untangle from what we, what we really want. I think the second thing too, is that we think small, mm-hmm. right? We, we, we don't think it's possible. I mean, there was a moment for you when you went from wishing you could work with me to believing that mm-hmm. it could happen. And that's when it happened. It was like, you had yeah. to step over that threshold before and think big before, not that I'm saying working with me is the, you know, the be all end all, but for you, it, it was is, at though. one moment. <laughs> and so you, you, for you, you had to move from, oh, that would be nice to no, this is fucking happening. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember the day when I was deciding whether to send you that email or not. I was like, yeah. had it drafted. I'd even put your uh, email address in the um, two box because I was like, Ooh, I dangerous. don't know if I want to send it yet. <laughs> yes. So I had it all drafted, redrafted, redrafted, redrafted. And finally, I was like, screw it, send, boom. And I was like, <gasps> nice. Well, we're doing so much work with the people in the crew on figuring out what it is that they want. And that's such a huge piece of this. Um, the second thing that you shared with me is that, that when you're creating a new habit, they have to be small. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So the reason why we want to go small is because really is if we make them too big, it's going to be really hard to form that habit. Um like I mean, let's take a working out, for example. There's a reason why when we have our New Year's resolution and everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to get fit this year and I'm going to work out five days a week and blah, blah, blah. Within like a couple of weeks or a month, nobody's working out anymore. It's too big. So you basically want to build the muscle of being consistent, doing something consistently. And usually what you'll find that happens is, you know what your end goal is. Like, I want to, you know, be in great physical shape. Well, I'm going to really make it small and just say each day I will do, I don't know, like two, two push-ups, whatever. But usually you'll find out is from doing that little tiny, tiny, small habit, making it small, you end up doing more than those two push-ups. So that's why it's really important to make it small it's just to build that consistency habit and um and then i think that built that brings us to the next next part where you want to feel good about doing that right so that's the third piece is that you want to celebrate those wins but before we move there you know ta- share with me one of the habits that you created um, around trial technique or trial practice mm-hmm. so one of the habits that I started doing was pretty much, I remember uh, when I, I think it was after I came back from the studio, Wadir studio, I started instilling a habit of just practicing the, um, the design alliance mm-hmm. each morning, just after I eat breakfast, I'm like, okay. And I would just practice it. And it feels really easy and natural. And it's like, if I fumble, I can just kind of bring it back. And it's so it's just, that was just one of the small little habits I built up. 
for, for the listeners who aren't sure what a designed alliance is, you can go back and look uh, for the podcast, How to Design an Alliance with Jurors. Um, but what, what's important about that, th this, this repeating that all the time, especially now that you're not in trial? I mean, why would you take the time to practice a designed alliance every day after breakfast? Yeah, because I mean, I think right now, this whole COVID time was is probably the best time to develop trial trial skills and habits. And the reason why you want to make it a habit is because you want it to be almost second nature. You want it to yes. be, I can do this without even having to think about it. Yeah. And I think this is the piece that people are missing is that we, we even when non-COVID times, we go to trial, what, maybe two times a year, three, if we're lucky for most trial attorneys, some are more, some are less, some are once every two or three years. And so mm -hmm. this is where people start to freak out when trial is on the docket. Cause they're like, oh my God, I haven't tried, you know, my trial skills for a while. And so this creating these habits so that you are ready at any moment to go to trial, not only creates such confidence, but it's, it's this feeling of I'm always prepared, which is one of the things that people say to me all the time, I'm not prepared. Well, yeah, in terms of the content, that's always something new, you know, you're having to learn with every case, but at least your nonverbals are down and you're knowing how to do this. You also have another habit around issue oriented voir dire. Share that with me. Yeah. So what I do is, um, and I, I kind of, because basically the, the habit was I work on an issue and oriented voir dire every day, right? Um, and there was a period of time where it was just, when I have depositions coming on and conferences, it was just getting, it, the habit was too big. So I boiled it down and made it real small. And I said, just start by doing the issue oriented voir dire by stating your case in one sentence the mm. first step just do that and then what what would end up happening is because when i do that now now it puts me like i feel good about it this is fun this is what i love doing then i go on to the next step and then the next step and the next step so yeah working on an issue oriented voir dire every day is another one of my habits yeah why do you think it's so important just to go back that is the first step in issue oriented voir dire which is what is this case about in one sentence you remember i asked you all that in the voir dire studio what's important about that about being able to, to, to say what it's about in one sentence, because that's difficult for most trial yeah. attorneys. It, it forces you to really focus on what the case is about. Yeah, absolutely, and get clear on it. And mm -hmm. I always say, you can't use that many commas or semicolons because people want to have this big paragraph <laughs> about it. Yeah, it, so, it's, it's tough. It's tougher than you think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's go to the third one, which is celebrate the small wins. You had said something in the crew a couple weeks ago about how important it is to feel good when you're making changes versus what most of us tend to do, which is either try to make changes from a place of, I feel bad about this part of my life, so I'm going to make this change so I don't feel bad anymore, um, to when we try to make the changes and we can't make them or we don't make them, then we also feel bad. Basically, bad is the emotion <laughs> around change. <laughs> Why are you telling us that we should feel good and find as many opportunities to feel good about change and habit making. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a great question. It's It really comes down to, um, I guess, human nature, if you will. If you really feel good about that, <laughs> if you do feel good about something when you're doing it, the chances are you're going to keep doing it, right? Because yes. it just feels good. So yes. that's why I say do these small habits because when you do it and you celebrate yes i did it right 
and it might seem cheesy at first, but you got to force yourself. What I do is I, I just do a fist pump and I put a huge <laughs> smile on my face and I just go, yes, you know, um, and I celebrate it and I make sure I really feel that emotion of just, yeah, I did it. Right. And um, it, it just, it releases that dopamine, right. Yes. In your brain and makes you like, Hey, I'm going to do this again and again and again as opposed to, you know, feeling bad. And because that's what happens, like going back to the new year's resolution of people working out when they skip a day, they're like, ah, oh, you loser. I knew you mm -hmm. couldn't do it. And lo and behold, they just stop altogether. John Acuff in his book, Finish, talks about um, basically how to finish things. <laughs> he says, the mm -hmm. most important day is the day after perfect. It's what you do on that day, right? So the day that you don't get up to work out, that's mm. the important day because that's when people give up and that's where you need to bring in some of this positivity. I think it's very similar to what we teach in the crew, which is you're amazing as is right now. And people yeah. often say, but I'm not, or haven't earned it. Or, or other attorneys will say, why are you telling these mediocre attorneys that they're good right now? They don't have the win loss record to go back full circle. And what we've always said is because that's where change takes place. When you step into greatness, you start doing things that great attorneys do. If you come from brokenness and I'm broken and I need all this external stuff before I start feeling good about my trial practice, you'll never get there because mm -hmm. nobody, as you just so aptly pointed out, likes to do things over and over again that make them feel bad. Yeah. You want to do things that make them feel good, which I think is why the crew is so hot right now is because the crew and our teaching in the crew makes people feel good. They come yeah. in, they try the trial skills. We tell them, yes, what they need to fix, but we also tell them how amazing they are and how much, how much they've advanced. And that is why people keep coming back to keep trying. I yeah. think that's a huge piece of why what we're doing in the crew works. Totally, totally. And I love seeing how, you know, I mean, from from this perspective as Coach June, when I'm seeing the 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 crewbies and the crew members coming out and just doing the things, and they start shedding all mm -hmm. their fears and their doubts, and then I see it's so cool to see their transformation and saying, "See, now you're revealing who you already were, and yes. all you have to do is shed off all that that you know that extra baggage." So it's so cool to see that. Well, and I love that you said that because I think in most places, people think when you come to learn, you're adding things, right? Here's all mm. these skills that you have to add. And there are skills, of course, but you're so right. What we do, at least at first, is get rid of all the bullshit thinking, yep. the bullshit skills that didn't fit them, that don't feel authentic, to find out and reveal who they really are so that they can step into their greatness. Why don't you share with our listeners what how you function in the crew and should they decide to join in April when we open again? where and when they'll see you. Yeah, sure. So as Coach June, what I, or how I function in the H2H crew is that um, twice a month, I am uh, offering, what do you call it, office hours, where for one for voir dire and one for nonverbal coaching. And pretty much it's for those, because the hot seats just, they, they go out like hotcakes. So for, you know, for sorry, not for me, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So then there we have, you know, because there's only limited numbers of hot seats, we have a bunch of members who don't have the opportunity or not getting the opportunity to uh, work 
in the hot seat capacity, you know, where, where they're practicing the voir dire skills or the nonverbal uh, skills and whatnot. So we're just giving them another opportunity to practice where you don't have to reserve a hot seat, just show up and first come first serve. You wanna try something out within the realm of uh, voir dire or nonverbal coaching, then um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm here for. And then um, in terms of the Facebook community, yeah, I mean, there's some great stuff going in there with a lot of questions and feedback and, you know, um, I'm there. So if you have questions, just, you know, post something and I'd love to just share my thoughts and we just get the whole community in there. And it's just, it's a great collaboration of just great minds working together. Yeah, it's, it's really, the crew is just incredible for those of you who are still considering joining. We really believe in the four pieces to change or to advance in your mastery are live training, you know, instruction, which you get in there, practice, feedback and community. And so that, those are the four pillars of really getting on the, on the path to mastery. And that's what we offer in the crew. And so if you join in April, you'll see me, you'll see coach June, you'll see coach K and we are training two new coaches as well to hopefully bring into the uh, H2H community. So make sure that you go to from hostage to hero.com to add your name to the wait list for when we reopen in April, we normally open four times a year. We may not open again this summer, just due to my surgery and my radiation and all that stuff going on we're not sure that's up in the air so just make sure you get in in april if you're thinking about doing it because we're not sure about the june opening and we won't open again until october well thank you june for being here i'm so excited to introduce you to everyone and we're so glad to have you on board thank you for being here oh it's my pleasure and it's an absolute honor thank you for you know just bringing me on wonderful thank you so much all right crew we'll talk to you soon Thanks for joining me today. If you benefited from what we talked about or just want to let me know you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and leave me a review on whichever platform you use to listen to From Hostage to Hero. Add a comment and I just might give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. In the meantime, head over to fromhostagetohero.com to order your copy of my book, From Hostage to Hero, Captivate the Jury by Setting Them Free. And to get on my mailing list, I send out trial tips and encouragement right to your inbox every single week. And while you're there, make sure you join the waitlist to become an H2H crew member when we reopen. We only open a few times each year and you do not want to miss out. I look forward to our time together in next week's episode. Talk then.